from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up on this Thursday edition of Washington Watch, this past Sunday, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, refused to acknowledge the administration's immigration policies are behind the historic number of illegal crossings on our southern border. The migration that is occurring throughout the hemisphere is reflective of the economic downturn, increase in violence throughout the region, the, um, the result of the COVID-19 pandemic, the results of climate change. Well, nearly a quarter of a million illegal aliens were encountered in the month of May alone. That brings the total number of apprehended illegal border crossers to more than 1.7 million this fiscal year. Another record. That, of course, doesn't account for those who were undetected. The overwhelming numbers of illegals flooding into the country has prompted some counties in Texas to declare states of emergency. We'll get the latest from Texas when we're joined by the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton a little bit later. And while the Biden administration refuses to protect the southern border, the Department of Justice is reportedly investigating Texas and their Operation Lone Star, which is a multi-billion dollar initiative by the state to protect their own borders. That's incredible. The federal government won't protect our borders, and Texas is being investigated for protecting their borders. Also, former Attorney General Jeff Sessions has claimed the surge in gun violence in the U.S. is a direct result of woke crime policies of the Biden administration and local Democratic prosecutors. We're going to explore that with the former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, in just a moment. And yesterday, a first for the FBI and the UK's MI5. Today is the first time the heads of the FBI and MI5 have shared a public platform. We're doing so to send the clearest signal we can on a massive shared challenge. China. That was MI5 Director General Ken McCallum. FBI Director Ray had this to say. We consistently see that it's the Chinese government that poses the biggest long-term threat to our economic and national security. And by our, I mean both of our nations along with our allies in Europe and elsewhere. Author and Asian expert Gordon Chang joins me later for that conversation. And finally, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren is still on the warpath following the Dobbs decision. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. So who is really causing harm? Well, we're going to explore that question with Dr. Donna Harrison, CEO of American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And that's later here on Washington Watch. Stay tuned. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources, as always, there for you. Contact information for all of our guests and materials that they may reference during their conversation with me. And I do hope that you are visiting each day Washington Stand, WashingtonStand.com. Many of you have asked for this, asking for sources of news and information. Well, here it is, news and commentary from a biblical perspective, WashingtonStand.com. And as I've uh, been saying, I want to put this before you, the Pray Vote Stand Summit for 2022. It's going to be held at the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. It's September the 14th through the 16th. You can register by going to prayvotestand.org slash summit. Make plans now to join us. And finally, our verse for today, coming from the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3, and it reads as follows. The heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and the night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You see, creation itself, without uttering a word, speaks volumes, no matter what the language is, about the intelligence, power, and majesty of God the Creator. To join us 
on our journey through the Bible. You can find out more by going to frc.org slash Bible. Also, I invite you to join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time for a short devotional based upon that daily reading. You can find that either at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. Following some of the most recent shootings in America, government officials have been pushing various pieces of legislation to restrict gun ownership. Now, the claim is that to end gun violence, we need more legislation. But many are overlooking or intentionally ignoring the failure of prosecutors, particularly those on the left, to enforce the current gun laws that we have and to crack down on gun crime. We've done that in the past where we have had more aggressive prosecution of gun crimes. And guess what? It works. So is it really more laws that we need to respond to this surge in violent crime? With me now to talk about this and more is Chad Wolf, former acting secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, now chairman for the Center of Homeland Security and Immigration Policy at American First Policy Institute. Chad, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. So let me ask you this. You've been in law enforcement for a long time. You've seen a lot. What do you think about this heightened focus on gun laws that's simply restricting gun ownership as opposed to the criminal use of those guns? Well, I think you had it right. I think uh, when we, we take a look at uh, these different incidents that are going on across the country, I think it's, it's okay to talk about are there ways in which we can look at different laws to see if they need to be tightened. But I think the first reaction of just imposing more and more gun control laws uh, and putting those on the books when certain uh, gun laws right now are not being enforced. And what we know are that criminals, by the very nature and the definition of being a criminal or being someone that is very intent on doing a very bad thing, they don't pay attention to these laws. They are intent on getting a weapon and doing harm. They are likely going to do it. So a lot of our time and a lot of our attention and effort need to be put back on the mental health issues facing our country. Uh, the fatherless issues facing our youth, and getting back to some of the morale, uh, morality issues facing this country, I think that goes a long way to addressing some of the issues that we're facing in Uvalde and, and, and certainly other places of, of what's going on out there. Just simply saying we need more restrictions on our Second Amendment rights, I don't think is really going to solve the underlying problem. You are uh, spot on. Uh, because I think when you look at the number of laws that we have on the books today, you know, just passing a law is not going to stop a problem. Right. Uh, because you said, if people are going to uh, violate a law, one law, uh, they're going to violate another law. And and I do think we've got to step back, and I've been advocating this with policymakers, especially among them, Republicans mostly, because the Democrats don't want to touch this. It's the morality issue. It is yeah. it is the heart. And, and when you when you talk about that, you go back to what George Washington warned, he said, look, if you want peace and prosperity, you have to have morality. And don't think you can have morality without religion. And we've spent decades now, fortunately, we've had a couple of court decisions here recently that's starting to reverse this process, but we've had policymakers pushing God out of the public square and any conversation about him and morality is out the window. Well, it's not only pushing it out of the public square, it's, it's pushing it out of the the hearts and minds of our youth, you know, whether they're they're seeing it on television or I should say not seeing it on television or and the video games culture and, and everything else. It's not front and center as it used to be. And that is that the faith in, in there in the faith community. And so I think there's a role to play there. Obviously, I go back to the mental health issues facing the country. There probably needs to be some investment, some yeah. more investment on addressing that issue as well. It's gonna. It's not just one issue. It's not just one solution that we right. need to look at. We need to start looking at a, a variety of solutions. We have to identify that this is a crisis that we actually need to spend some time and attention and focus on, and not simply say, "Oh, we need another another gun control measure that that's going to solve the issue." It's not going to solve right. the issue. I think most reasonable people know it's not going to solve the issue. Yeah, it makes policymakers feel good, and they can go home and uh, right. go back to, to business as usual. Um, I, I do want to talk about the mental health thing because I, I, there's, there has been bipartisan focus on mental health. This uh, this measure that was passed is going to increase funding for mental health, but I don't think you know. Going back to what you said about morality and religion, I don't think we can separate mental health 
from the faith community either because a lot of this is driven by a sense of desperation, lack of purpose, things that the, the that religion provides in 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 a young man's life. And so I think we can't separate that and we're still seeing in some of these programs religious entities are not to be involved. This is all, you know, clinical, this is secular and and I think that's only going to make the problem worse. Well, I would agree with you. Look, anytime that we uh, we divorce or we somehow exclude certain uh, communities or populations, and in this case, the faith-based community, from certain solution sets saying that you can't receive funding to address mental health issues because of your faith, we know that that doesn't work in the long run. We know that you need a sort of an all-of-the-above approach, and there are certain segments of the population, whether these are youths that are in trouble or others, that may may be open to a faith-based uh, community approach, may be open to that type of audience talking to them in a way that a law enforcement officer or another individual in their community may not be. So to shut these different avenues off, I think, is, is, is not the right approach. Uh, I certainly agree with you. I want to switch gears, something that uh, you are extremely familiar with, and that is our border. As the Acting Secretary of Homeland Security, you spent a lot of time there. In fact, I saw the change myself with my own eyes uh, where there was, uh, you know, a rush across the border uh, when uh, you guys first took office. And then under your leadership, I mean, there there was nothing. It was a ghost town uh, on our our southern border. You know, Texas, without the administration doing anything, we're having these record numbers of illegals crossing the country, so are crossing the border. So they're taking it on themselves to protect their border now we have the Department of Justice investigating the state of Texas for protecting their own borders. Is that a misplaced focus? Well, of course it is. And it just goes to show you uh, sort of the backwards uh, priorities of the Biden administration when it comes to border security and immigration enforcement. Uh, they don't have a strategy. What we continue to see is a historic crisis. And when I say that, it's not just it's higher than it's ever been. It's higher than it's ever been by a factor of two or three or four um, that we are seeing. And we're seeing this lawlessness across this border. And we, but we also continue to see the administration doubling down on certain rules and regulations that can continue to attract and continue to incentivize this illegal behavior. And if, if you're an American, you know, you, you're an American sitting in the middle of the country or, or somewhere else, or even in Texas or Arizona along that border, you're throwing your hands up and you're saying, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for this administration to actually become serious about securing the border, securing American communities, stopping the human trafficking and stopping the illegal narcotics coming across the border? What is it going to take? Clearly, it, it, you know, the numbers alone are not swaying the administration. They continue to go down this strategy that each and every month it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, And so I get frustrated knowing that there are solutions out there to secure that border. It takes leadership, it takes will, and it takes an ability to make some hard decisions, knowing that you're going to upset certain folks. But if you decide to put Americans first and you decide to look after their best interests first, uh, then I think the policy solutions present themselves to you in a way that becomes very, very clear. And we certainly dared that under the Trump administration. And there's a way to fix this crisis. Unfortunately, they have dug the hole so deep that yeah. it's going to take them months and months and months to dig out of it if yeah. they choose to if dig ever. out of it. Right. Secretary, we got to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Officials from several counties in Texas have announced a series of emergency declarations to step in where the Biden administration has refused to, and that is uh, the crisis at our southern border. The declarations essentially recognize a state of invasion as local authorities have little to no resources to respond to the influx of illegal immigrants who have been pouring, literally pouring, into their communities. And after the U.S. Supreme Court last week gave the Biden administration the green light to terminate the one thing that was actually working and holding back the, uh, the flow, Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy. And I've, I've seen that myself. We were just talking about that with the former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. I, I went down there and saw it both before and after. Now, what's going to happen next? With me now to talk about this, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. General Paxton, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me back. All right. So the court gave the Biden administration the go-ahead to terminate the Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy. Now, it's going to take a couple of weeks. It's got to go back to the lower court, and then it's going to go into effect. So what is that going to do to these record numbers of illegal aliens coming across the border? Well, first of all, we are going back to district court to, to, to work on the second memo. But the reality is, if if the Remain in Mexico program goes away, that was the only sort of thing. I think we, uh, we lost him there. We're going to reestablish uh, the connection uh, with the attorney general. Uh, I want to play a couple of clips because the um, secretary of Homeland Security uh, Alejandro Mayorkas was on this weekend discussing this. Uh, play clip number two. We are addressing this issue vigorously and aggressively to address the amount of the number of encounters that we are experiencing at the southern border. Just a simple question. Do you think it's working? I think that we are um, doing a good job. We need to do better. So I'm going to get the attorney general's opinion. Is uh, the Department of Homeland Security under the Biden administration doing a good job? You know, they're doing a good job if their goal is to get as many illegal immigrants here as possible and and allow as much drug uh, cartel activity and human trafficking as possible. In my opinion, they're they're basically in business with them. They're in partnership. They've they've opened the door to the cartels to make as much money as fast as they can, 
and they've encouraged them to do that. It's 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 almost like the federal government is participating in organized crime. I'm going to say not almost. They are. And the reality is a lot of Americans are, are dead because of it and are dying, whether it was from COVID originally, now from drug overdoses and, and other crimes. Uh, General Paxson, we're talking almost, almost just shy of 2 million. And these are just the encounters that we've had so far this fiscal year at the southern border. That doesn't account, as I understand, doesn't account for those who got across and who weren't detected. Uh, th- that's, as uh, Sec- former Secretary Chad Wolf was talking about just a few moments ago, it's not just these are record numbers. Uh, th- these are two, three, four, five times the amount we've seen in the past. I mean, it, you almost have to be intentional in this. So what's the motivation here? What is really going on? Why is the Biden administration refusing to protect the southern border? Yeah, it is, it's, it's absolutely intentional. Their goal is exactly the opposite of what you'd expect them to be doing, which is protect the American border from terrorism, from criminal activity, from you know all the bad things that are happening to these people, especially along the border, but really all over the United States. And the reality is that I think this is their plan. They, they, they had this plan before they were elected to, to get as many people here to vote as possible. They want to give them amnesty. Uh, look what they're doing in, uh, I think it was, it was, it was, oh, it was Arizona where they're, they're challenging their citizenship requirement so that if you're a citizen, supposedly, uh, you know, that's the only thing that allows you to vote is being a citizen. Well, now they're challenging Arizona having that law in place. So this is the direction that they're going. And I'd expect more of the same. They want these people voting. They want to change the country into one party country. And this is their, their way of doing it, putting a, a lot of illegals in the country, particularly in Republican states and Republican counties in, in states that are not Republican states. Well, speaking of uh, getting involved, uh, there are reports that the Department of Justice is investigating the state of Texas for the border security initiative, Operation Lone Star, a multi-billion dollar plan that the state is funding itself to put in place. What can you tell us about that? Look, the Department of Justice is no longer about justice. They ought to just be called something else because this isn't justice. This is harassment of, of our state police. They're trying to discourage them from, from doing their jobs, from protecting our state, because they, again, their goal is to get as many people across the board. It doesn't matter what their background, criminal or terrorist uh, or otherwise. They want these people here no matter what their background, and, and they can be as bad as they can be. And, and the reality is what they're doing is harassing our, our state police and trying to intimidate them. And it, this is not about justice. They need to eliminate the Department of Justice and call them something else. This is, this is absolutely incredible that the federal government will not do its job on the border. And so Texas has stepped up with their own resources to protect their borders. Because I don't think people realize what's happening in these communities on the border there. They're cl- clearly being overrun. There's crime that's taking place. There's all kinds of things that are occurring. And, the, I mean, the infrastructure's overrun. They can't handle it. And so Texas is stepping up to do it. And what is the FBI doing? Harassing Texas for doing what the federal government should do. Right. And threatening, well, they're investigating already, but then threatening prosecutions and, and, and civil lawsuits against uh, our state police and other law enforcement officers for merely trying to do some of the job that the federal government is obligated to do, refuses to do, and not only refuses to do, but actually aids and abets the cartels in doing as much harm to our country as possible. Well, uh, we, uh, we're thankful that Texas has good conservative leadership. Uh, General Paxton, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much uh, for uh, joining us today. It is, this is really incredible. I mean, the federal government refusing to do its job. I mean, think about this. The FBI, they're not prosecuting or pursuing aggressively gun crimes. Uh, but their thing, we, they're saying, well, we need to take guns away from everybody. We need to make it harder to own a gun. They're not enforcing guns. They're not at the border enforcing the laws at the border. But when a state is trying to protect its own border, they're actually going after the state. All right, coming up, the FBI and the UK's MI5 have been around for more than a century, but it wasn't until yesterday that the directors of the two agencies shared a public platform for the first time. For what reason? We talk about it next.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Yesterday, for the first time ever, the heads of the FBI and the UK's MI5 shared a public platform addressing business and academic leaders in London. And they did so to send a strong, clear message on the serious and increasing threat that the Chinese Communist Party poses to our countries and really to the entire world. Now, here with me to talk about this is China expert Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. He can be found on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Tony. Now, I'm sure this did not catch you by surprise, although this is quite significant for two agencies, from the U- one from the U.K. and one from the U.S., to be so public in alerting the world to this threat. FBI Director Ray's comments were things that we have heard before for the last couple of years. But what did take me by surprise, Tony, was that he was sharing the stage with Ken McCallum, who is, as you point out, the head of MI5 domestic intelligence in the UK. And really, the message was, this is a threat not just against the United States, and it was not just against the UK, but it's across the Western world, and indeed, the world, the partners of the Western world. So China right now is in a difficult position because they can't say, oh, it's just America. So, I mean, given the fact that, as you said, this is unprecedented, I mean, does this tell us something to the degree, the, the degree of the, the threat, how serious it is? Does this tell us something? It, it tells us something about the degree of the threat. Um, but I mentioned we, we've heard that before. What I think is important is that you are seeing um, partners of the U.S. say this and also the Biden administration doing this in a much more public way. Um, So um, I think that this is a symptom of a change in mentality in Washington, where um, even in very high profile platforms, we are now seeing more honest conversations about China. In the past, we didn't have those. Um, And now I think that it's important that we are going in that direction. So that's why I think that yesterday's announcement or yesterday's uh, event was so significant. Could possibly it, part of this be to box China in when it comes to Taiwan? Because uh, Ray, Director Ray yesterday warned that if China was to forcibly take Taiwan, of course, he's speaking to business leaders, he said, quote, it would represent one of the most horrific business disruption the world has ever seen, end quote. There is some of that there. 
Um, but really what the Biden administration should be doing is forcing American companies off Chinese soil. And unfortunately, President Biden has been taking actions to encourage American companies to stay in China. So, for instance, when Biden talks about waiving tariffs, um, the Section 301 tariffs that President Trump imposed in, in 2018, in fact, we know that a number of companies which were thinking of reshoring, in other words, bringing their operations back to this side of the Pacific, they stopped those efforts. So I think that Director Ray's comments were important, but it's really up to the president now to take those actions to really give meaning to Director Ray's words. Now, Gordon, there was also some reference in yesterday's conversation about uh, the lessons that uh, China has learned based on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. What, what have they learned from that? Well, they've learned a number of things. The most important, Tony, I believe, is the failure of deterrence. The United States, the European Union, and Great Britain had an economy 25.1 times larger than Russia's at the end of last year. And yet we failed to stop Russia from invading Ukraine, even though there was perfect intelligence on this. And I think China's looked at that and said, well, you know, if they failed with regard to Russia, they're certainly going to fail with regard to China. And the other thing that I think that China has learned is that although American sanctions and the sanctions effort was um, somewhat important, it has not been effective enough to stop Russia. And I think China is thinking, well, you know, we don't have to worry about uh, American-led sanctions. So those are two very bad messages that Beijing has taken on board recently. So with that in mind, Gordon, should the game plan for the U.S. be changing and adapting to a different uh, landscape now? Oh, absolutely. With regard to Taiwan, for instance, we've had this policy of strategic ambiguity where we tell neither Beijing nor Taipei what we would do in the case of imminent conflict. Now, that worked, obviously, but it worked in a benign era, and we are no longer in a benign era. We um, need to be much more specific. The Biden administration, I think, needs to be clear that the United States will defend Taiwan. You know, Biden has said that on a number of occasions, three of them, in fact. But after each of those occasions, his White House um, and the Defense Department have walked those comments back. And I think that that has not been a good lesson for Be that Beijing has seen, because what they're saying is that the United States is in disarray, at least under the Biden administration. So that's, again, another bad message, another bad signal that we're sending to Beijing. Yeah, it's a bad message, but not necessarily a untruth. It is a reality, I think, unfortunately. Uh, Gordon Chang, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much, Tony. All right, folks, don't go away, because on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about Senator Elizabeth Warren. She has her war paint on, and she's after pregnancy resource centers because, well, they don't abort babies. So that has her upset. In fact, they've introduced legislation into Congress to basically eliminate care pregnancy centers. They've even called upon Google to take them out of searches that women would do looking for resources when they're pregnant. That's right. That's right. That's the left. We're going to talk about this after the break, so stick around. A lot more Washington Watch still to come. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAN to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And again, let me remind you, registration is now open for the 2022 Pray Vote Stand Summit. Pray Vote Stand for Life. It'll be held at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, September the 14th through the 16th. To find out more, go to PrayVoteStand.org slash summit. U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts wants the federal government and her state's government to crack down on what she is referring to as, quote, so-called crisis pregnancy centers. And she's saying so-called because they don't abort babies. Here is what Warren said last week. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. Well, she is correct about one thing. They do outnumber the abortion clinics. There's about 3,000 of these care pregnancy centers that dot the landscape of Americans because people do care. And these are all funded by individuals, by churches, by others who care about women and their unborn children. They don't make a profit like the abortion industry does. Um, So, yeah, there's a big difference. The reality is it's the abortion industry that has been and continues to engage in deception and disinformation. I mean, this is what I would call a classic example of projection. This is what they're doing, but they want to project onto the pro-life community. Warren has introduced a bill in Congress, Stop Anti-Abortion Disinformation Act, or the SAD Act. Now, it's designed to crack down on care pregnancy centers, again, simply because they won't kill babies. And that is what I call sad. Joining me now to talk about this and more is Dr. Donna Harrison, a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist who is presently CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Uh, Dr. Harrison, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let me just get your initial thoughts on Senator Warren's bill and what she's calling her home state to do when it comes to these care pregnancy centers. Well, I have reviewed Senator Warren's bill, and it is a remarkable piece of 
lack of information and a lack of documentation and lack of accuracy regarding what pregnancy care centers actually do. So the, I, I have a, a dog in this fight because I'm on the medical advisory board for CareNet. And I am familiar with the massive amount of love and outpouring of, of just genuine compassion that the pregnancy care center volunteers uh, uh, give to women every day, every day in this country, 3,000. And also the physicians who are involved. There's over 10,000 physicians involved with pregnancy care centers. We give accurate medical information. Unlike the abortion clinics who say, well, you've got a blob of tissue in there. We give accurate information about what a, uh, a baby or what a human being is and their stage of development at each gestational age. So the mom actually has information to make an informed decision. And the pregnancy care centers, as you pointed out, don't financially benefit from this outpouring of love and compassion. They give it free to the patients that come in. And so if there's any group of people that are empowering women and caring for them, caring for their needs, it's the pregnancy care center volunteers and the physicians who are helping them. So, Dr. Harrison, are you saying that the, the abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood, they don't give away uh, free abortions? <laughs> Not that I know of. What they do is they coerce people, especially women who are in a crisis situation where they, they are truly looking for an answer. But rather than giving women information, accurate information about how far along the baby is, what the baby looks like by ultrasound, what the real risks and complications are of an abortion. Instead of that, they, the abortion industry pushes abortion as the only option that this woman has. And so it's not surprising under that high pressure marketing technique that women choose abortion and later come to regret that abortion. Right. So it, well, it, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say the last numbers I saw, it's been a couple of years, but the Planned Parenthood in particular ran it's a nonprofit, but it ran a profit of about a, almost a billion dollars when it came to uh, abortions that they were doing. And, and you look at you compare the care pregnancy centers, and I've been on the board of one for about 25 years and full service. I mean, they have, as you said, they have doctors, they have nurses, uh, they do ultrasounds, they they do they do the pregnancy test. I mean, they do everything and you compare that with the abortion industry, with groups like Planned Parenthood, um, 2020, 354,871 abortions were performed. Planned Parenthood offered out of that, compared to that, 8,626 instances of prenatal care and only 2,667 adoption referrals. 96% of their activity was abortion. So, I mean, I've always thought, you know, look, you want to find out what's going on, follow the money. This is about money for the abortion industry. They are making money every time a woman crosses through the doors of those abortion clinics. That's true. And I have uh, in front of me a report done by the Charlotte Lozier Institute that talks a little bit about what pregnancy care centers have done in 2019. They provided services at a value of over 266 million, and that was for free. And they did this with 53,855 volunteers, 14,000 total staff, and 10,000 licensed medical professionals, of which there were 3,000 of those physicians who were on staff and 6,000 who were volunteers. So yeah, compare, follow the money. We've got an outpouring of compassion and love and accurate information for women being given at pregnancy care centers across the nation. And that's threatening to the bottom line dollar of Planned Parenthood. Yeah, I, um, I often speak at the, the fundraising banquets for many of these care pregnancy centers across the country, and it's all privately given. People care about these mothers and their children. And, you know, it's, I, I think, in part, they see this as a tremendous threat 
to to them and to their bottom line because what's going to happen with the, the Dobbs decision and this going back to the states we already have 26 states that are only already moving uh, into the pro-life column is that this is going to create more care pregnancy centers across the country because I believe the pro-life community is going to step up and they're going to be providing more services helping more women I think you're going to see the creation of new adoption agencies that are going to, I think this is going to be an explosion of pro-life activity. And guess what? They're not going to be making any money and they're not going to be able to get their hooks into these women. Well, agree. And if you look at the narrative that's coming from the abortion industry, it's very impoverished. They're only for one choice, and that is for the choice of abortion. Whereas pregnancy care centers walk women through not only what an abortion is, but also provide services and real services that will help women to to carry through with the pregnancy or to adopt that baby. This this isn't like a, what the pregnancy care centers do is not like what the abortion clinics do. The abortion clinics are one and done. They right. do not consider. They don't follow up with their patients. They don't really care what the situation was that created this crisis. Pregnancy care centers, on the other hand, provide diapers. They provide uh, referrals for uh, job uh, training. They, they, they do all kinds of things for women, put them into support networks. And you don't see anything like that on the abortion side. Right. Well, Dr. Harrison, I want, to, I want to just touch on one thing you just mentioned, because I think this is so important. It's the why. Why did this happen? You know, were, were you exploited? Was it a bad relationship? What drew you to this? What, what was missing in your life? And, and this is where the spiritual aspect comes in, that uh, so many of these care pregnancy centers share the love of God, both in actions and in words, and it's transformative. I mean, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you the number of young women that I've seen whose lives have been transformed. Not only did they keep their children, uh, the child that they were pregnant with, but they themselves experienced a new birth, which gave them a new lease on life and a whole new outlook addressing the underlying issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you brought that up because what the abortion industry does is breathe out despair. And what the pregnancy care centers do is breathe out hope. So if you you want to read and weep something, go to the Guttmacher website and Google reasons women abort. It will break your heart. There's a large amount of abandonment and coercion that are themes of why women abort. They're alone. They don't have the financial support um, to raise a a child or another child. And all of this is about feeling vulnerable and the abortion industry taking advantage of women in a vulnerable situation. So the pregnancy care centers breathe into that situation, hope we can walk with you. We can provide you with with love and care and compassion. And and that's the big difference. As As you mentioned, it's the difference between despair and hope and the hope doesn't disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Harrison, I, I want to switch gears for just a moment. We just got a couple of minutes left. There's been a push from the Biden administration for expanded access to abortion pills. In fact, we know last year, last numbers we saw, over half of abortions came through the abortion pills. Um, they're now, they've changed the rules. You don't have to have a face-to-face medical uh, appearance. I mean, you don't have to have a doctor actually look to see what stage you are in gestation in your pregnancy. Um, what are your thoughts about this push of making sure, doubling down on these abortion pills by the Biden administration? This is horribly dangerous for women. Even if we forget for the moment that there is a human being who's destroyed by these pills, let's look at what it means to do a do-it-yourself abortion. You don't know how far along you are in pregnancy. Your risk for surgery increases from one out of 20 to one out of three if you have just three, if you're just three weeks further along than 10 weeks. So by 13 weeks, you got a one out of three chance of needing emergency surgery for hemorrhage or tissue left inside. You don't know where that baby is at. One out of 50 women have the baby implanted in their tube. That's called an ectopic pregnancy. The symptoms of a mifeprex abortion, a a chemical abortion, are pain and bleeding. The symptoms of a rupturing ectopic pregnancy are pain and bleeding. And there have been women 
who have had pain and bleeding called the abortion clinic and have been told, honey, just take a Tylenol and lay, lay down. And they bled to death because they had a rupturing ectopic pregnancy, which you are not supposed to give Mifeprex, the, the abortion drug, in the presence of an ectopic pregnancy. That's one of the reasons why an in-person visit with an ultrasound is absolutely critical to minimizing the risks of this dangerous drug. And to make matters worse, some women are RH negative and they need a medicine called Rogam when they're having an abortion. How are they gonna get that if they're getting the drug through the mail and no one is, is knowing or, or checking for that? And what's even worse is with mail order drugs, how do you know who's even getting the drug? There, there have been cases over the last five years of uh, disgruntled boyfriends who have ordered the drug and crushed it up and put it in their girlfriend's smoothie. How about the pimps and abusers that order the drug so they can manage their herd? The, the possibility for coercion is tremendous. And this is, no, this is no help for women. Women are being put in a dangerous situation and they're being lied to about how dangerous these drugs are. They're dangerous. They're five hey, times Dr. more dangerous than a surgical abortion. Dr. Harrison, you mentioned uh, the, show, the Charlotte Lozier Institute. They also in a study found that there has been a 500% increase in emergency room visits by women taking the abortion drug uh, in the last decade. And that's before the change of this policy, making them available through the mail. Yes, I and several other uh, American Association of Pro-Life OB-GYN members participated in the analysis of that study. And that's true. Women are being told that uh, when they have a complication, they don't call the abortion clinic, they just go to the local ER. So the abortionists are dumping their complications on the local ER and the emergency room doc may or may not even know that the woman has had a chemical abortion. We did another study recently from the same Medicaid database looking at what's the risk if the ER doctor doesn't know that there's a chemical abortion. And these are women who paid for chemical abortions and the ones who don't tell the ER doc, they end up with three times as many hospital visits as the ones who do tell the ER doc that they're aborting. And they are much higher risk of being hospitalized and having surgery. So it is important that women not lie to the ER doc, that they tell them exactly what happened for their own sake so that the women can get appropriate care. And this policy that this administration is pushing needs to be reversed where the medical provider, at least they have to go and see a doctor before they get uh, this abortion pill. This is this is outrageous that they're doing this. Dr. Harrison, we're out, we're out of time, but I do want to thank you for joining us and uh, appreciate uh, the work that you're doing on behalf of mothers and their unborn children. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And folks, I want to thank you as well for joining us today. Always great to see you. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 